Welcome to this episode of the This Is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. I am your host, James Mastrucci, and with me, as always, my co-host, Jordan Cohen. Jordan, how are you doing today? Hey, James, I'm doing really well. It's only a few more days until the the big first preseason game. I know everyone is pretty amped up about it, but before we get too far deep into anything, just want to mention this real quick. Make sure anyone who is listening, you are subscribed to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. It's also available on SoundCloud, as well as thisisbelieveone.com and realbrownsfans.com. Just wanted to get that out of the way at the beginning. I'll remind you at the end as well, but uh, preseason game is upcoming, but as excited as everyone is about the preseason game, there was like 20,000 people at the Orange and Brown scrimmage this past weekend. Yeah, uh, Cleveland's ready for in-person football again. I think the city is city is ready for it. I mean, that was a... I was watching that scrimmage on NFL Network, and like, they were barely tackling. Like, mm-hmm. I feel kind of bad for all the fans, but hey, they sat out in the rain, so they went to see it, and the Browns did perform. Yeah, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, Cleveland always is and always will be a Brownstown. Okay. Yep. Uh, did you have any takeaways from the scrimmage? Uh, anything I mean, that popped out? And, I know it's a scrimmage and they're going probably like 50%, if that, for most of it. But anything in particular? Yeah, I mean, there are a few things. So the first is JOK, it was like his first two snaps out there. Mm-hmm. Got snap one, he got owned by, I think it was Chubb first and then Hunt second. But both times they just like ran right over him. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't that he wasn't trying to tackle hard. It was like they, they, just, they just ran over him. And then after that, JOK actually looked really good. It was like a welcome to the NFL moment, and then he was great. I would rather Which have that nice. moment be in the scrimmage than in week one against the Chiefs. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, given like what's going on with linebacker right now, I, I mean, you and I have been saying this. Mm-hmm. He may be starting week one. Uh, right now, I'd probably say I'm leaning towards yes. Right now, yeah. I mean, it, it's going to depend on who's healthy. I think if Walker's healthy, he won't. And I think if Harrison is healthy, that may affect it too. But uh, if both walker and harrison are out i think they have to start him because he's going to be the only linebacker at that point they have that's good in coverage mm-hmm. i mean i mean so. malcolm smith's okay but he's not a starter um but you can't i mean taki taki again okay not a starter he'll start taki taki's going to start on the other side yeah but you know what i mean though once they yeah. get down out of their out of their base and get more defensive backs on the field you're not going to want taki taki out there a whole bunch same with malcolm smith oh, 100%. yeah yeah i mean i think Taki Taki, and we've talked about this before. Yeah. What I like about Taki Taki is he does one thing well, but he does it really well, which is run defense. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a genuinely really good run defender. But anyways, other takeaways: Baker looked great the majority mm-hmm. of the scrimmage, and then they did the two minute drill, and it was like, oh man, oh no, like oh no, like he was just missing guys. It was really bad, but. Case Keenum looked great the whole time. And then the two big guys that I'm really excited about are Harrison Bryant and Donovan Peoples-Jones. Both looked outstanding. They, they did. Like, outstanding. They did. I know. Hooper looked bad. Najoku had, like, one catch where he was going up against the guy. It was, like, looked like a guy from the audience just, like, you know, went out there just to get a snap in. And Najoku scored on him. But otherwise, Harrison Bryant 
and Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, were the two most impressive for me. Yeah, let's see. Uh, that was uh, Javante Moffitt uh, that yes. he caught that over. But uh, as I pointed out in our uh, offline uh, message there, uh, that would have called back for offensive pass interference. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Njoku. Uh, that's just the reality of it. But uh, definitely some bright spots for the Browns from that scrimmage. Definitely excited for preseason games when they actually start, which is this weekend. But one key thing about the preseason, one key thing about the Cleveland Browns, and it's not the most exciting topic in the world, it's offensive line. Okay? Yeah, maybe the most important, though. Maybe one of the maybe the most important, but definitely not not the sexy topic like skill position or uh, edge rusher. But offensive line very important to the Browns' success. And uh, bringing up someone we brought up last week, Warren Sharp, he ranked the offensive line of the Cleveland Browns number one. And he had to say the Browns' offensive line was also a unanimous number one selection. There isn't a weak link on the line, and depth only got better with the additional fourth-round rookie James Hudson. Yeah. I mean, this, and we've talked about it on the show before, this Mm -hmm. offensive line isn't just great. And, like, even the starting, for the starting five guys, there are issues, like, each of them have, right? Uh, Jedrick Wills, for as great as he was in pass protection, really struggled in run blocking, Mm -hmm. right? And and so, like, there's that type of stuff. But those... I mean, I think outside of maybe Treader and even then last year, you could have made an argument for any of the five of them being pro bowlers. Maybe not Wills, but uh, Betonio, Treader, Teller, Conklin could have all been pro bowlers last year. I absolutely agree. (laughs) And and part of that scheme, right? You and I have talked about it. This Mm -hmm. scheme makes offensive linemen look good. But it's better. Like, the depth looked good. I know people are down on Nick Harris, and to a certain degree, I get it, but Nick Harris was drafted as a project. Right. And Nick Harris, when he played last year, wasn't great, but he looked fine. And then Dunn and Hans looked really good when they played last year. Mm-hmm. Hudson, I think, is another project, just like I think Drew Forbes is a project. And then you have Hubbard, who's like the old reliable. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, he's the guy they probably go to outside of center if they need someone to, to, to start. But, you know, you look at you look at Hubbard, he's he's competent. And, and just to backtrack on Harris real quick, when Harris played last year, sure, he wasn't great, but he didn't look like he was completely lost in what he was trying to do. It's just like right. he was a rookie going against much experienced, much more, you know, uh, intimidating players. So that's going to happen. But he didn't look like he had no idea what he was doing getting Baker killed No, he looked there. good. I think he's Treader's eventual replacement. And I know people are down on him. for He did not look good in the scrimmage. I, I don't care. I think Harris is the Treader replacement. I do too. Eventually. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, there's, there's a reason they drafted him and it wasn't just to, I mean, sure, backups and depth are great, but at some point you, you need to have a succession plan. And I always, I always pegged him as succession plan type. Yeah. No, me too. Again, like he was a project, right? They, they drafted him as a project. They, he was not big. Like he was not ready to play right when they drafted him. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he's needed to put on muscle. He's neat. he's very athletic, but like his form isn't great. But again, he played last year and it looked really good. Mm-hmm. And do I think he could work in any scheme outside of this scheme? Absolutely not. But I think in this scheme, he could be a starting center. Yeah. Eventually. Maybe yeah. not this year, but next year. Yeah, I, I definitely foresee him being 
the the succession plan. <laughs> what yeah. it what it when well, that's Sharp's point though, yeah. right? Like it's not just the starters are good. Like they have a succession plan for like half these positions. Yeah, outside of uh, outside of like Wills, they have a succession plan. Right. 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 I mean, every position. Like, I th- do I think Hudson, they believe, is going to take over for Conklin? No. Do I think they think that could eventually possibly happen if all goes well? Absolutely. Um, I would be surprised if they re-sign Wyatt Teller. I think, Same. again, I don't know that his replacement's on the roster, but I don't know that it's not. That's that's a fair point. Like, it could be, uh, what's his face, Blake Hans. Yeah, guy named Blake. Like, he's been playing that backup spot. Yeah, I mean, it, it very. I mean, we've discussed the the Wyatt Teller situation, the contract situation, uh, a couple times, and it's been you should good teams don't prioritize right guards and free Look agency. Look at the Colts. I mean, the Colts have like Quentin Nelson's the best. I think he's left guard in the world, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they're going to pay him. Like he's outstanding. And I, there are talks that he may get traded. Uh, he is a left guard. Left guard, yeah, yeah. no, I know, yeah, yeah, left yeah. Guard. Just I was uh, just yeah. verifying. Yeah, 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 no, he is. I mean, he they drafted him. That offensive line changed, but the Colts are a good team. I don't care what anybody says. Like I, I get, like they just paid a ton for a linebacker. They paid a lot to non-skill position players. That team, you put any competent quarterback on that team, and they are Super Bowl contender. That yeah. that is a well-built team. That that is a fact. Um, I think Frank Reich is one of the most underrated coaches in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but like they're a good team, and I, they may give Quentin Nelson the money and just suck it up. But I think that's like if they can't trade him, they will. But I think if they get a first round pick for him, I, I mean, I'm not saying they would, but like, it's a first round pick, and then not having to pay his salary, I think they would at least consider it. Yeah, and Wyatt Teller doesn't have the pedigree Nelson has no matter how good last year was for him. I mean, and I'll come back I'll come back to this uh and you just said it a little while ago and that's this scheme is very offensive line friendly. So, I mean, yeah, Wyatt Teller looked good and you know, part of the the uh the scouting report on him when he came over from Buffalo was that he's a good run blocker, but you know, if people really want this uh, offense to evolve in the way that they want it to and to incorporate more passing, you're not extending a run-blocking guard. I'm sorry. Well, and frankly, they didn't just give Nick Chubb a contract extension and a Kareem Hunt an extension last year to then pay for run-blocking guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, again, I think Wyatt Teller was amazing last year. I am more skeptical that I, there's a lot of people that think he's really going to regress this year. And I think there probably just by nature will be a little regression. I don't think it's going to be that bad, but I, do I think X replacement guard, whoever they put in, whether it's Hans Harris or they draft somebody or sign somebody, do I think they will be as good as Wyatt Teller was last year? Probably not. Do I think that really means you should pay Wyatt Teller what he's going to demand on the market? Absolutely not. I don't think so. Yeah. And like, to be clear, we're not like down on Wyatt Teller the player. It's just you know, I love long term, broad perspective team building. You you don't prioritize a right guard. You don't. It's just the reality. You don't like you want to prioritize tackles. Great. If you have a bad running game, and you want to prioritize right guard, I can listen to it. Mm-hmm. The, I, I 
I mean, I think in Sharp's review, he also has the Browns as the top running back team, too. They're in the top five, at least. I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I think we got to take his point for what it's worth, too, right? Mm-hmm. This offensive line isn't just so good because the starters. It's deep as heck. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, not that, you know, it's a like-for-like like switch, but they're, they're more than competent if they have to go to a backup at every position. Yep, exactly. And that's ultimately what makes a difference. Then you add in the overall line-friendly scheme, and you just essentially plug-and-play, literally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, Chris Hubbard, I think if either of the two tackles gets hurt, is the backup. And, again, as you said, like, Chris Hubbard's competent. And that you could say that about Hubbard, Dunn, Harris, and Hans, who mm-hmm. we saw last year. Yeah. All four of those guys are competent. I don't know about Hudson because he's a rookie. I don't know about Drew Forbes because he's never played. Yeah. But the, those four are competent. And Hubbard can at least play three-ish positions. Yeah, and, and, and baseline of competent for a backup is, is uh, like, perfect. I mean, y- you need that. I mean, how many times have we seen them trot out God knows who at some of these uh, offensive line positions and be a complete disaster? Uh, Greg I, Robinson. I remember two years ago? Yeah, Greg Robinson, the uh, man. Uh, who was the guy before him, the undrafted guy? They trotted out left tackle. Oh, yeah, he lasted like half a, a season. Yeah, it was not. It was not. He start, He had the one really good game, and then it was just all downhill from there. And then my favorite thing was that they like were like, oh no. Greg Robinson's our guy. Like, Greg Robinson had not had a good year. Like, I don't care what anybody says. His year was not good. It was Desmond and Harrison. Desmond Harrison, the man. Yeah. Like, yeah, that, I, that, that one. I think the argument for Greg Robinson at the time was that for that half a season he played, he was okay. Borderline right. competent. Which I was fine with, but I was like, this is fine, but we realize that like this isn't a long-term answer. This is a temporary solution until you find an actual answer. And that temporary yeah, and solution I, should have ended at that season. This is why, and I know we disagree a little bit, but I think your reason makes sense. But like, this is why I'm down on the Steelers that I, I think our backup offensive line mm-hmm. is possibly a better line than the Steelers are trying out there this year. Like I would I, like, I'm pretty confident in that. Like, and, like, it doesn't work like this, but if you had to match them up ten times, I'd say the Browns' backups win four. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a it's at least close. And I, I know Ben Roethlisberger's, like, kind of changed how he plays, and now he's just this really quick passer, like, mm-hmm. all the time. And so they'll try to get around it that way. But, like, I think absent having – and I know Ben Roethlisberger isn't who he once was, obviously, but he's a Hall of Fame quarterback for a reason, and he'll be able to make – it won't be pretty, but I think he'll be able to make do a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what the Browns know is that they don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And that luxury, I still think the Steelers may only win six games. So, I, I mean, maybe it's not that much of a luxury. I don't know, but – yeah, I don't know. I just I think the Browns have really built this offensive line well. I actually, to give Dorsey a little credit, I think while he set up Baker to fail that season 
because he didn't have a left tackle and Mm -hmm. he traded his right guard. So it was this weird offensive line. I do think Dorsey started the process. Do I think it worked? No, because Forbes may not even make the roster. But I think it was just kind of the start of it. I think like the Betonio and Treader stuff was smart. Mm-hmm. Hubbard, I think, was good long-term decision-making. And then I think Andrew Barry and Stefanski came in, and they were like, okay, here we go. Yeah, they kind of retooled it, add a couple of their own guys to the mix, and been like, okay, this is the way we're going to do it, and it's going to work. Yeah, exactly. I, and here's the other thing about offensive line. Because they're replaceable in this scheme, you shouldn't be paying a guy a lot of money unless that guy's ostensibly Joe Thomas. Or, or the like, right? Like, just yeah. a top five at left tackle, right tackle, or maybe center. And I would say the only guy on this this offensive line right now that is in the top five conversation at the position is Joel Petonio. Yeah, I but I he is just the I I'm fine with paying him. Uh, let me put it like that. Yeah. I, I think Joel Petonio is good enough, and I don't think he's going to demand. I mean, he doesn't. We've seen it, right? Like, mm-hmm. the con- his contract isn't awful. But, like, that's what I'm comfortable paying to a guard. If Wyatt Teller wants that type of deal, I'm – okay, I don't think you will. I think Wyatt Teller is going to get a team to pay him just a crap load. Yeah, so uh, for context, uh, Betonio is on a six-year deal, uh, $51 million, average salary of just of over eight and a half. Pretty, pretty consistent, pretty consistent numbers here uh, as far as base salary and cap hits go. So, I mean, and I mean, eight and a half for, again, a top five left guard in the NFL. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, like, again, if Wyatt Teller has another season like last season, then he's like, I want eight and a half million. I'm a little worried just because of how much money we'd have wrapped up in guards, but I think you at least have the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that that's a conversation you have. If he comes in being like, I want to be one of the best-paid guards in football, we're like, well, some other team can do that. Yeah, exactly. That, By that, the way, just to return to, I saw something on Twitter, um, so not verified, but I just checked on ESPN. Uh, Browns took Mac Wilson off the first team. Oh. It's now JOK is the first team weak, weak side linebacker. I, I mean... Duh. <laughs> yeah, just to, to go back to uh, what we talked about uh, last week, uh, Mac Wilson getting first-team snaps just a formality because nobody else was there. Um, I think that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. But, yeah, sorry for the interruption. Just saw it on Twitter as we were talking. It was like, oh, let me blurt it out. Yeah, so at least on ESPN.com. I, I don't think they've put their depth chart up on their website yet. Uh, no, they do not. Uh, you can check other unofficial ones. Uh, yeah. And it's an, they're interesting, but uh, every depth chart I've seen does not have Mac Wilson as a starter. But it is time for everyone's new favorite segment, Guys or Dudes. And since we talked about offensive line today, I figured let's keep it on topic offensive line edition of Guys or Dudes. Excellent. So, do you want to just go left to right on the line? Is there a yeah, certain... let's just do left to right for both starters and backups, then we could just group all the third-teamers together. Sounds good. So, uh, Jedrick Wills. For now, right I, now have, he's a guy. I have him as a guy right now. It's, it's 
Maybe he turns into a dude, but he is a he's certified a guy right now. He looked good for the most part, but there are still some spots where it's like room to improve. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I've been thinking about a formula for how I'm doing this, right? And in my head, it's kind of like performance level, role, and salary, right? So, like, for me, so, and and I'll get to why I tell her later, but, like, for me with Jed Wills, like, I think he performed well. Do I think he was a top half the league left tackle? Barely. Might be coming at, like, 15. run blocking was terrible. Yeah. And so I think right now he's got, I like Jed Wills. I'm very, I I mean, last year I was very pro Jed Wills. I said before the draft, he was left tackle I wanted. Mm -hmm. I like Jed Wills a lot. I just think right now for me, he's a guy. Like those three things together, he's a guy. Yeah, he's a guy. I mean, he could turn, definitely turn into a dude this season with the, you know, he just becomes a better run blocker and, you know, just rounds out his game a little bit more. And that's something you expect with experience from a, a physicality and mental standpoint. So he could become a dude, but definitely a guy right now. Yeah, well, and, like, here, like he – I don't care what anybody says. Like, I, I just – I straight don't care. He was a right tackle in college. Mm-hmm. It is a different position. Like, it, it, there's a lot of similarities. I get why the Browns are confident that he could make the switch. But something like run blocking and this type of scheme, it, that's going to be an area where the switch hurts you. Yeah, and that's what we saw. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So, Rookie. yeah. So, so moving right along, Joel Petonio, I have him as a dude. He's a dude. Yeah. I mean, again, starting left guard, top five in the league, I think, at eight and a half million a year. Like, how do you argue that? that he, He's a dude. You can't argue it. I mean, there's yeah. really not much more to discuss there on Mr. Petonio, but dude, uh, <clears throat> moving into the center, the quarterback's best friend. J.C. Treader, I also have him as a dude. I don't. Ooh, um, okay. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I, don't, I, li- I like J.C. Treader a lot. He's another one of those guys that had a great year last year. I, If you're telling me, and I know this sounds crazy, if the idea is I could have Wyatt Teller or J.C. Treader. Mm-hmm. J.C. Treader is about to be, I think, 30 or 31. Mm-hmm. I'm probably picking Teller. I, I think J.C. Treader's great. I think he's a center, and I don't think he's top five at his position. I think he's great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like him. Borderline for me. I just, I don't know how much longer he's going to play at the level he played at last year for. I mean, that that's a very fair point. Um, I think for right now, he's a dude. But if you were to have you know, elaborate more, add bullet points, asterisks, whatever. Yeah. You would add the word replaceable down the line. Yeah. So he's yeah. a dude, but replaceable okay. at some point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because I, I, I still think that, you know, he's a, an integral part of their, you know, their blocking and their offensive line. So. Yeah. And right, maybe the idea right now is, yes, the replacement may be on the roster, but the replacement isn't ready. And because of that, because of what Treader's providing you, he's kind of at that elite level. Yeah. Which I hear. I hear. I just, to me, like, I I just, I think even now he's probably overall pretty replaceable. I mean, he's Uh, he's trending towards guy, don't get me wrong. Yeah. 
I, I still think he's in that, that last little part of dude for me. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair enough. All right, now let's get to Brown's Twitter's favorite offensive lineman, Wyatt Teller. What do you have him as? Um, so Wyatt Teller is interesting, right? Because if you just go off last year's performance, he's clearly just a dude, right? Like mm-hmm. last year's performance, Wyatt Teller is the best right guard in the NFL. Yeah. I think there's going to be some natural regression there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much. Again, it gets my problem with Trevor. Like, I just I don't know that that position is super irreplaceable. But given his performances last year, and even with the regression, I think is coming. I think he'll still be really, really, really like if he plays even eighty percent as well as he did last year, he's still a top five right guard in the NFL. So I'm putting a dude label on him. But that doesn't mean I necessarily want to resign him. I'm in the same camp as you. Dude camp. Don't necessarily want to shell out a whole bunch of money. Still has proven to be, uh, based off last year, uh, one of the better right guards, if not the best right guard in football. However, like I've said earlier, uh, he didn't become Wyatt Teller until he came into, the, you know, he didn't become Wyatt Teller until he became into this scheme. So he's a dude, but long term dude, I don't know. But for now, yeah, like, in the moment, I... dude. Dude, yeah, and I think you could make this argument about Treader, uh, which you can't about Wyatt Teller, which is that I think Treader's pretty scheme-proof. Like, mm-hmm. I think this is probably the best scheme for him just because of how agile he is, but I think Treader can play in any scheme. I'm not sure I feel the same about Wyatt Teller. That's where I'm at. That, I think that's... Wyatt Teller's, like, a, he has great vision, and so he's really good as kind of the double-team guy. Like, he he smacks the one guy and then goes up field that you don't do in any scheme but this scheme mm-hmm. you're right you're right i mean he's a perfect match for this scheme so yeah yeah so let's let's kick it out to right tackle jack conklin i like jack conklin i really do but i have him as a guy so this gets to my formula earlier i think jack conklin on talent is a dude i think jack conklin on the salary he's getting paid makes him not a dude fair i really i to me that's what it comes down to like if you look at his perform like that right side of the line in general with teller and conklin when each of them were hurt it the run game didn't look as good and it's because they are just elite elite run blockers yes uh, it's why i was always frustrated when the browns like in a crucial situation would run the ball to the left like i get it it was part of the counter scheme but uh, I think Jack Conklin's outstanding. I am really glad he's a Brown. I am not thrilled with his salary. Yeah, they, they paid a lot for Jack Conklin. <clears throat> I mean, the the way I looked at it is you you can have the discussion that when, it, when you look at the, the Browns' offensive line, the strength is obviously in the center with, you know, Batonio Treader-Teller. And their, their weaker offensive linemen happen to be their tackles, and it would be Wills and Conklin, in my opinion. I mean, dude, Conklin's getting paid twice what Petonio is. Yeah, he's getting paid a lot. He's like $15 million a year. He's, I, I, it's between 14 and 15 based on incentives. Mm-hmm. I just looked it up. So, like, almost twice as much. I think Conklin's really good. Again, I'm not upset that he's a Brown. I am ecstatic he's a Brown. I don't think you could do much better in the NFL. But, he, I mean, that's a lot of money. It is. Like, he's getting paid more than Nick Chubb. 
which is insane when you think about it. <laughs> right? Like, again, I like Jack Conklin. I really do. Like you said, I'm happy he is a Brown. I just, I, I think when I'm looking at the, the grand scheme of things in, in regards to his overall skill set, then you add in what you have in from the contract perspective, I put him in the guy category. Like, I mean, yeah, dude, he has dude moments, but he's still a guy. Dude, like, Batonio's getting paid $8.5 million a year. J.C. Mm-hmm. Treder is getting paid $9.5 million a year. And Wyatt Teller is making, I like, $2.5 million a year. Mm-hmm. I think all three of those guys are better than Jack Conklin. That's nothing against Jack Conklin. Yeah. It just, it, it's... I mean, he, for the money they're paying him, and I get it. Like, they had to get a right tackle. They did. Hubbard is good. He he was not good enough for this game. So I get it. But, I, like, that's a lot of money, and I, I don't think his performances are th- – that is money I'm paying the top three right tackle in the NFL. And I don't think Jack Conklin's anywhere close to that. I don't think. I think he's, like, definitely top ten, probably, like, top seven. I have mm. him seventh, I think. I looked at this earlier in the offseason. I think like he's my seventh, which is great. But like, I don't know that I'm paying that fourteen half million. Like, I'm not thrilled about paying that. Like the gap between seven and ten isn't that big, but the gap between seven and three is huge. Right, and like people need to realize that the NFL like is a salary cap league, mm-hmm. right? And so if you're paying your right tackle, who let's even say he's top five, yeah. right? Sure. If, if you're paying your fifth best right tackle in the NFL. If you're paying him $15 million, which is a very large portion of the cap, it, that limits you in other areas. Like, this is the argument people were making about Chubb. And uh, quick, but Kevin Cole did his PFF study on running backs, uh-huh. and he released it. And, like, what he found is what we've always been saying, which is, like, the elite running backs. So I think he had Henry, Chubb, and Christian McCaffrey significantly matter for their teams. Like, they matter a lot. Yeah. The rest of the running backs don't, really. Like, they're pretty much interchangeable. And I think, like, I firmly agree with that statement, which is why I'm okay paying Chubb $12 million. Like, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that much money. Paying Conklin fourteen and a half, that's a lot of money for a right tackle when you have Nick Chubb, when you have Kareem Hunt, when you have Wyatt Teller, right? It is. It's, it's a lot of money. Looking at uh, uh, top cap hit for the for the position, Jack Conklin has the highest cap hit for this season of thirteen. Million. And he's not the best right tackle in the NFL. Yeah. Now you look at other other deals that have been signed since then for the right tackle position, and Jack Conklin's deal drops down to sixth. Where Ryan okay. Ramchick is making ninety six million over five years, and Lane Johnson seventy two over four. He's the best right tackle in the NFL. Exactly. Uh, Ramchick's best right tackle in the NFL. Like I, that again. Like that. Like I, twenty million f load. Mm. Like I, I don't know that I feel comfortable paying that. But I, I can at least see the argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's. <laughs> He's the best. It's it's like not even I mean, a, a question. Right. It's just it's it's not like he's that good. Like I I don't think Tristan Wirfs is going to be there yet. But like he's the only other guy at that right tackle position 
that I think like I would pay that much to. But he's a, just going into his second year. Like the guy at the Colts, uh, Braden Smith, I think his name is, is another guy that's really good. Mm-hmm. He's making seventy million over four. Yeah, but like again, do I love that deal? No. Do I get that deal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conklin's really good. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I again. I think by PFF grade, Conklin is the second best right tackle in the NFL. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, but like, even if he's the third best, like, it gets to my problem with both of the other guys too, uh, Ramchick, and uh, uh, I just said his name, Brandon Smith. Smith, thank you, Brandon Smith. Yeah, um, it gets to my problem with both of those deals, which is yeah, like they're the best at their positions, but that's still so much money for right tackle. And like, I, I think Ramchick is just like a level above the other guys. So Ramchick's like special. It's like Payne Joe Thomas. Yeah. I was just about to say that. Beyond that, like it, again, I'm not complaining. He's a Brown, but if that's, it make, it takes him out of dude category for me. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you there. So, it's time for the backups. I have a feeling I know how most of these are going to go. But let's clear a couple of these guys out real quick. James Hudson's a rookie. Drew Forbes has never played. We're not going to grade either of those guys here. Um, Nick Harris. Guy with potential. Yep, guy with dude potential. Michael Dunn. I'm going to throw him in Sneaky Dude because he yeah, played I mean, pretty good last year when they had to call upon him. He's the backup left guard who played, like, gave some of the best, I think the best left guard performance of the season. No, nothing against Petonio. Mm-hmm. Like, that Steelers game, he was incredible. So, yeah, for their pain of peanuts. Yes, he's a dude. Uh, Chris Hubbard. I have him just as a guy. He's a guy, but he's a competent guy. Right. He's a guy I want, but he's a guy. Yeah. Like, he's a guy I want, but he's a guy. Then we have all these third string guys, uh, Alex Taylor, uh, Javon Patterson, Greg Sinat. Don't forget about a guy named Blake. I was saving him for last. <laughs> Colby Gossett, Cordell. That's a, a lot. Of... Yep. That one. Uh <laughs> And guy named Blake. Guy named Blake's the only guy that's really worth mentioning out of this entire group. Again, I think a guy named Blake is going to be the backup on the right side. Mm-hmm. So if Teller or Conklin get out, I think you're going to see him there. Really versatile. I like him. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think he's he's good. But, like, he's a backup. But he's a guy. But he's, like, covered to me. Yeah. I, I think he'll be just one of those guys that's just constantly there he doesn't play a whole bunch but you know when called upon he can fill in and be competent yeah and like again i know nick harris has had a bad camp everybody's reporting it i i I think there's reason to believe he's not doing well in camp but he is still the only guy in that offensive line i think that has like dude like starter dude potential right Mm -hmm. like i think dunn is a dude as long as he's getting paid peanuts as a backup if Dunn gets $8 million a year, he's no longer a dude. Yeah. You're right. Like, to me. So, yeah. But but I like him right now. I like him in the role. He, again, role, salary, how he plays. 
I absolutely agree on that. So, guys or dudes, offensive line edition in the books. Anything else you would like to add before we head out of here? No, no. Uh, so Thursday we're going to do our preseason game one preview and like subscribe on all the platforms. Review if possible. If you're, I, I looked this up. If you're on Spotify, please just listen all the way through. Even if like you, we reach the end and you just like take that little scrolly thing and scroll it to the end, it puts us higher in the rankings. So, yeah. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, check it out it's on SoundCloud. This is Believeone.com, RealsBrownsPants.com. That'll get you to any one of those platforms that you normally do. Like, subscribe, share, tell your friends. If you don't tell your friends. You're not doing us podcasters any favors. (laughs) (laughs) So remember, share, like, subscribe, tell your friends.